Welcome to the Payments Podium Podcast, hosted by the payments professor himself, Kevin Olson. This podcast discusses the past, present, and the possibilities of the payments industry. Here's the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Payments Podium. I'm Kevin Olson, the payments professor. And today on the show, I have a payments professional with me. Her name is Chelsea Palomo. And she's been in the payments industry for, well, how long have you been in the industry, Chelsea? Uh, not quite as long as you, Kevin. Probably about uh, three or four years. Three or four years. Now, some of you out there may be going, wait a minute, you're saying she's a payments professional and she's only been in the industry for a few years. Yes, I absolutely would say that. She is one that I would give my credential and my stamp of approval on because I've worked with her before in several capacities. And one of the things that we're trying to do on the payments podium is you've probably heard some of our previous podcasts where we've had some of those people who have been around for a while that have experienced well before we got even to check imaging what payments was like. And Chelsea may not know what that's like, but she's one of those who does understand the payment industry quite well and wants to know why, or at least express some, what, what would we call the word, um, friction that you're having with the payments industry? Would that be correct, Chelsea? Yeah, I think uh, having been in the industry a short period, I've held different, I've held positions on both sides of the fence, if you will, well, three sides of the fence, if you will. Um, one working for a financial institution, one working for a regional payments association, and now uh, working with a, a business or in a, an originator's capacity. And I've noticed there is quite a bit of friction uh, across the industry. And that friction comes in many different flavors. It comes in the relationships between the parties involved. It comes in the regulatory side of things. But I believe your issue was on the words we use, the language that we have. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the NACHA operating rules and guidelines give us Article 8. And uh, as AAPs or payments professionals that are focused in the ACH uh, network, we can all refer to Article 8 and, and be speaking the same language. We all understand what an ODFI is or an RDFI. Uh, but what happens when you have a business that doesn't have an AAP on staff unfortunately may never have seen the NACHA operating rules and guidelines. Uh, we're not going to blame anyone for why the originator may or may not have ever seen that, but maybe they never have. How do we all speak the same language uh, in negotiating contracts, in discussing, uh, you know, performance reviews, issues that arise? And how do you tell your IT folks um, what you're expecting from them. Uh, previously at the RPA, I was always an advocate for the financial institutions to learn to speak the business's language, to speak um, to their merchant or originators in a language that they use. And now being that I am in this position as an originator, I have a really hard time communicating with some of my vendors or third-party service providers that aren't speaking the same language. And, and right now, I'm only talking one payment channel. As a merchant uh, or originator, we process payments ACH. We use debit cards, prepaid debit cards. We have RCC um, payments coming through, everyone's favorite cash. Um, and then 
internally we use wires. So how do we get everyone on the same page to speak the same language and understand exactly where money is moving to and from and is it compliant? Well, you know, one of the thing, key things you've already said in there, you mentioned NACHA, you mentioned Article 8 and how it defines all of our terms. It's our official glossary of, of terms that we use just within ACH. But you also said ACH. Now, I got to ask you, have you ever been at, a, you know, maybe a child's uh, school function, maybe out and about to you meet people in the community and they ask what you do and you say, I work with ACH. And then they look at you like you just grew a third eyeball out of the middle of your forehead. <laughs> Uh, it's funny that you say that. Yes, absolutely. When people ask me what I do for a living, uh, when I I'd kind of run through the payment channels really quickly, or if they stop with ACH, I, I, I usually default to, uh, do you have a gym membership? Do they automatically debit your bank account for that gym membership every month? Yes, they do. Okay. So I am a professional in how that system works, how those payments are clearing and, and both sides of it. You're absolutely right. Even consumers, um, aren't familiar with the terms. Well, you know, if anybody from Notcha is listening, I know they're going yay for Chelsea because you mentioned a debit coming through from a gym membership. I normally just go, you get direct deposit. And for years, ACH <laughs> was just known as the direct deposit network, but it does so much more. But my point in that is, is the general public doesn't understand what we're doing. And you're talking about when we start going from the point of where, you know, I know you've worked on the regulatory side with me. I know that you worked in a financial institution, but now you're at an actual business. And I've said for years, businesses, like for example, a doctor, I have worked with doctors, they are great doctors, but then they're asked to do the payments and that's not their area of expertise. In fact, in the medical field, they have their own language and in the payments field, oh, do we ever have our own language. I, I think you're aware, I, I put out a video this summer called Acronymity, where it was just something I did for fun, just to point out how many different acronyms we have in the industry and how we talk in three-letter acronyms, TLAs and four-letter acronyms, FLAs, to each other and just expect each other to understand what we're saying. Exactly. Uh, it's great that you bring up the perspective of a, a medical professional, but I think too, one of the things I'm, I'm struggling with uh, as, a, as a payments professional is how do we breed or grow the next generation of payments professionals or those that should be my peers and, uh, and get them into roles similar to mine? Um, we've talked about this before. You don't really uh, people ask me all the time how I got into what I got into. And quite frankly, I just, it, it was, the AAP was part of my uh, job description. I was required to have that certification and I happened to fall in love with payments. Uh, I, I really don't know how we get more people like us into the business that are able to cross that, that or bridge that language gap between the financial institution and the business. Well, and you know, on the, the Payments Professor podium here, one of the things we try to do is we focus on the past, the present, and the possibilities. And if we look at the past, and that's what we've been discussing, it really is, there's, we know there are issues in the communication. Um, I've worked as a consultant for other companies and have traveled really around the world, and especially around the United States, going from location to location, and have found that there can be issues in the issues that they have, but also issues in the language that they're using as well. And that's where the gap starts to arise. And I'm talking bank to bank. 
I know in doing some of the work in the payment associations, when we get the payments associations together, there would be times that we would argue over the language within the ACH rules book because, well, different people interpret it differently. And I think that's part of where the gap starts coming from. And I don't know if some of that can be fixed without really just having the meetings that take place. Right. I, yeah, you're, I've experienced that as well. Uh, you know, trying to uh, read the same piece of regulation or rules uh, and, and all come to a consensus about what we believe it to mean. Um, so with the entrance uh, or the introduction of a new payments channel, uh, real-time payments, and then the Federal Reserve creating theirs as we, so we're, I feel like we're kind of building on, we're kind of building on top of a Band-Aid. We haven't really fixed uh, the situation. And so now we're going to add a new payment channel that is absolutely needed. I completely support the creation of uh, a channel that allows faster funds availability, irrevocable settlement, even the word push funding, right? I completely support all of those things. Uh, Right now, those types of payments are being processed using the debit card rails and in negotiating with vendors those contracts, there's a there's confusion over uh, push and pull. So you want to we want to offer a product to push funds to our customers bank account via the debit card rails. That's a, another language thing. You've got to differentiate the the things that are happening there. How is the money getting there? Where is the money going? Where's the final destination? But also, when you're negotiating one of those contracts or discussing that that new flow of funds, if you will, when you want to add on there using that same debit card or that same payment token for payments, uh, the business being repaid, there's that that pool terminology. So now, like I said, we're, I feel like we're kind of muddying the water by introducing another one um, or, or multiples at this rate between uh, the clearinghouse and the Federal Reserve um, without clearly understanding or identifying what it is that we're trying to communicate. And having talked to multiple different vendors about the same type of product, now I've also got to learn to speak the language of that, that particular mm -hmm. vendor. Oh, that, that actually brings up a whole new can of worms because every vendor does have their own nuances for how they'll name things. But you, what you've also brought me to, uh, to think of is one of the things that I do in many, many different speeches that I give around the country is I say there's a place for every payment. Every payment has its place. But I've also come to realize in just what you said that I'm able to identify a payment type and channel just by keywords. But the reality is almost all payments work in the same aspect. We have somebody who wants to send money or somebody who wants to receive money. We go through some financial institution through some dedicated rail or channel or road or method. And then it goes through some type of clearinghouse organization, Federal Reserve Bank, Bankers Bank, Credit Union, something like that to go to another bank to then be posted or taken from an account. Now, I, I could think of a great game just to play with payments professionals because if I were to say something like beneficiary, receiver, payer, payee, ODFI, uh, you know, keywords, those keywords do alert you right away to, hey, I know what payment channel you're talking about just because of the word you said, even though at the end of the day, 
the definition for where they fit in in that payment channel is equal or equivalent to the same definition, like say beneficiary or receiver, when we compare a wire versus an ACH. They're the same thing. I like that. I like um, being able to draw on the commonality of simply, are you wanting to be paid or are you wanting to pay someone? Uh, as a as a financial institution, you kind of get hung up on compliance and, and regulatory requirements, as you should, absolutely, um, and are focused on, on using those terms. Um, and then, like you said, vendors, they all have their own language, their own nuances, because at the end of the day, their business is just like I am. Uh, and, and I have my own language. Mm -hmm. So... I think it is important to draw on that commonality of, of flow of funds. Which way are we trying to get the money to go? Right. Really and, like that. and, you know, I, I think some of it too is how do we further identify it? And can we get the channels to talk to each other and not repeat terms? <laughs> I mean, seriously, I remember when a very large retailer out there started using the POS ACH debit entry. Mm -hmm. And it caused a lot of confusion in the industry because POS, people thought of, it's point of sale. Well, it's point of sale in ACH, but it's also point of sale in credit card. Right. And it was just like, well, where does this go? Where am I reporting this? And it caused a lot of confusion at the time. Right. I think uh, kind of along those lines, you know, coming into the business here, I've noticed uh, one of our vendors in particular used... ACH return reason codes with RCC, remotely created check entries, uh, when they report them back to us and on our invoices. And I originally was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're crisscrossing. This is not okay. This does not mean what you think it means. Well, I mean, R01 or insufficient funds is insufficient funds. But at the same time, I, I was drilling back down to the fundamental issue with assuming that those things were so similar. What is getting lost in the translation? Well, I, I can't speak on behalf of the, the, you know, the third party service provider or third party processor, but it would be nice if the channels or the people that are creating these channels would use the same language. That's a great point. You know, we've talked before about I actually learned this from you, and I repeat it quite often, that in Europe, the private sector uh, developed a real-time payments clearing system, if you will, and then the uh, the public sector did, and then the private sector came behind them, and those two are not interoperable. It's kind of a similar situation we're getting into with the clearinghouse and their real-time payments channel, and then the Federal Reserve developing theirs. I, I have concerns of will those two systems be interoperable? Will they use the same language? Maybe this could be a starting point for us to all get uh, on on the same page. Well, uh, you know, I, I'll hit on that one real quick because I'm getting asked that one a lot. And I do think that the interoperability won't be a direct connection exchange from each other. But what Fed will come out with is a real-time growth settlement service, and it mm -hmm. will be used for all sorts of settlement Whereas real-time payments, I think, will have a long, successful life because it will be a rail for the movement of those payments that are then later we'll see some settlement that takes place on the corresponding FedNow service. But, you know, we've definitely identified the problem. And, and the problem is that people don't talk to each other is, is one of the issues. And 
we know even within a payment channel, there are problems. Like for example, I was on a check work group call today and all we did was argue. We spent an hour going, you know, identifying one singular issue to be like, well, how do we fix it? And, uh, you know, you've talked a lot about real-time payments. I have to say, one of the things I think is going to help with it is its rules book is extremely thin. It's extremely mm -hmm. thin because there's not as much to it when you take away a lot of the nuances and make it just where it's somebody authorizing and somebody pushing money to somebody else. Also, if you look in real-time payments, I've read the rules several times. I've read multiple different regulations. And, oh, you know, every year I read the ACH rules book. Who knows what color it'll be this year? I'm looking forward to that alone. <laughs> and you, and the, you mentioned Article 8 in the ACH rules book, where it's kind of in the middle of the book, but in the regulations, it's the first thing. If you go right. read your regulations, the first thing they do is they define the terms. Mm -hmm. And the terms are defined within the real-time payments as well. So we do have the common language. It just doesn't seem like it's used commonly or consistently. So I think what I hear you saying, Kevin, is that the issue is the same as any other relationship out there, whether it be a romantic relationship or with your family, it boils down to communication. Uh, both parties stepping back and saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't think I understood what you were saying, or this is how I interpreted that. Is that what you meant? Uh, maybe taking the time out to to understand what the other party is intending to say and not being afraid to ask questions if you think that that may not be correct, right? I'm going to have to just say, yes, I like that. That wasn't <laughs> really exactly where I was going, but that makes perfect sense. It's, it's true. In all relationships, especially even in banking relationships where money's involved and people really get uptight then, right? If things get mm -hmm. happening, we do need to just have better communication. Now, what do we do to get to that better communication? So, you know, as we're getting towards the end here and you're looking towards the future, what would you say is what, what's, you know, it's more than a Band-Aid, but what is it that would fix this gap? What would close this gap? What would make it better for, as you even mentioned, the people that are, getting into payments now, the new people coming into the industry, the people who have to learn this brand new language, what can we do to help them have that higher level, higher understanding of communication? Wow. I think it's, um, I mean, to be completely honest, I don't think I have the answer alone. Uh, what I believe it would take to fix it. I like where this conversation is going and that it, it's really quite simple communication, encouraging. I, and even when I was teaching with you and, um, you know, traveling and, and speaking to different institutions, it was really all about asking discovery questions rather than assuming, because us as payments professionals, we like to look at transactions, like putting a puzzle together, see uh, what we believe is happening, kind of create our own interpretation. Uh, Go a step further and ask your originators from the institution perspective or vice versa, is this what you were meaning to do? Well, let's go back to ACH. Maybe because it's the, most, the one I'm the most familiar with, it's easy for me to go back to. But um, when you're onboarding a new ACH originator, rather than saying, do you need access to, or are you going to be originating PPDs and CCD entries? Maybe the question is, who is your primary customer base? Are these consumers or other businesses? Who do you plan on sending money to 
okay, you're not sending, you, you want to receive funds, well, that's going to tell you if you're a debit originator or a credit originator. I think it's going to be all about asking, identifying questions and, and not assuming that everyone in a payments role is a payments professional or understands um, all of the rules, regulations, and nuances that surround um, our industry. You know, you nailed something right there that I'm a big proponent of, and that is just don't assume that they know it. And one of the reasons when we started talking about doing this as a podcast and having this as a topic, it's something I'm passionate about. It's something I hear about from a lot of people in the industry when it comes to that language gap. And I think that one of the easiest solutions goes to the education that is being offered by there. So if you're an educator out there, or if you're somebody who even plans conferences, I would dare you to challenge yourself to realize you need to provide the education for the people who would attend the conference, for the people who would attend the class at their level, not at yours. I've seen it over and over again. Colleagues that I work with, I love them, I respect them, I know they know what they're talking about, but they are instructing and speaking at their level, and they're the expert. Whereas the people right. in the crowd, I'll look around at them, and they're lost after five minutes. Yeah. They're looking around, they're like, I have no idea what they're talking about. I've seen notes even written and left behind after classes that it's like, I still don't understand the block, let alone the chain, you know, after a blockchain. Somebody actually wrote that and left that on a note, because they go, <laughs> I was lost from the very beginning. And, and the right. speaker was great. I, I got it, because, you know, I've got years at couple decades now in the industry. So yeah, I did get it, but I could see where they were lost. So I think, and this is a professor's opinion, the challenge really goes out to all of you professionals out there like me. And that's why I put out the videos. That's why I have the podcast that we have the responsibility of bridging the gap for this next generation. We need to bring it to their level and pull them up. We're going to bridge the gap by pulling them up to our level, not by just talking at our level and hoping that somehow they get there. Exactly. I love it. Let's do it, Kevin. Let's do it, Chelsea. Well, <laughs> um, do you have any closing comments? Uh, I just want to say thank you for having me. This has been a, a great opportunity, and uh, I look forward to continuing to help grow and encourage the next generation of payments professionals, and thank you for all you're doing for the industry. Absolutely. You are an aspiring payments professional out there listening to the podcast and thinking, hey, how can I get on the podcast? You can email me, Kevin at paymentsprofessor.com. You don't have to have decades in the industry. You don't have to be doing something that's unique and different from everybody else. All you have to do is have something that you want to have voiced when it comes to a concern you have within electronic payments within the industry. And if you're the one who's going to want to get on the show and talk, let me know. I'll be glad to bring you on the show. If you just want to give a topic that we need to put on the show, let me know that and we'll get that on there. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening to the Payments Podium Podcast. Check back every Thursday for a conversation with the Payments Professor. This podcast is hosted and produced by Kevin Olson and edited by Sam Sue Smith. See you on Thursday.